Hello everyone, my name is Christian. Welcome back to TechPoint Today. Our guest is Melissa, the CEO of eWebinar. Hello. Hey Christian, how's it going? I'm doing great. Please tell us what your company does. Yeah, so eWebinar saves people from doing the same webinar over and over again uh, by turning any video into an interactive webinar that you can set on a recurring schedule. So you can imagine things like sales pitches, sales demos, onboarding, training webinars, things like that. Oh, okay. It makes sense. So you don't have to do it live over and over again. So you just record <laughs> it and play it. Uh, okay. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because it seems so obvious, right? <laughs> uh, are, are you the first one to do this? Uh, no. I mean, there's other solutions that are out there, which I've tried in the past with my previous startup. So eWebinar okay. is my third startup. But there was just nothing out there that did exactly what I wanted it to do. So this was actually a problem that I lived for five years in my previous company. And when that was acquired, I decided that this was the problem that I wanted to solve. Okay. Uh, what do you say are your top three features? Well, definitely asynchronous chat. So chat that kind of works like intercom or Zendesk where you can hop in to respond live if you're there. But if you're not there and the attendee is offline, then they'll get an email, right? Just like any support chat system. That's number one. Okay. Um, number two is we have the widest variety of interactivity. So things like, you know, program, uh, programmable polls, resources, uh, questions, contact forms, like things that kind of pop up during the experience to engage the audience to stay till the end. So we have the widest selection of those. Okay. Um, and I would also say that our design. Um, is definitely something that stands out because we put a lot of love uh, into designing a product that people are impressed with right away um, yeah. so that you know it makes your brand look good and so that they'll stay till the end. What is your current pricing? Yeah, so we start at $99 a month uh, from the bottom and then it goes okay. up to $299 and then above that is usage-based. Mm -hmm. And can you share with us some use cases? Yeah, so um, our biggest use case is actually customer success. So okay. post-sales, so you can imagine like uh, training and onboarding webinars for you know any tech company, any SaaS company, but also non-tech companies, right? That mm -hmm. needs to train continuously on new products, new regulations, things like that. Um, our second biggest use case is, of course, you know, sales and marketing and lead gen, right? So using this to automate your demo, create an on-demand demo, so people can join, you know, your demo, see your product um, as you know, the time as soon as they discover your website. Very, very interesting. And how can people integrate the uh, eWebinar to their, uh, to their website? Yeah, I mean, if you go to eWebinar.com, you'll see how we've done it. So there's mm -hmm. a couple different ways, right? So right now, when you go to, I guess, any website, right, that sells a product, you'd have a, you know, join our demo, like directly on the header, footer, yeah. you know, a button on your page. But usually... Right now, that leads to a calendar form or like some sort of web form, right? That you yes. have to schedule with a live person. But that is pretty frustrating because maybe I'm not ready to talk to a live person or maybe I don't want to. Right? Or maybe like, you want to do it right now. Yeah, maybe you want to do it right now. Um, and so what we do is we replace that with the eWebinar registration form. So there's still lead capture. You still put in your name and email or whatever customized questions you want. But that brings you directly to the demo either right away or you can schedule it, you know, for tomorrow or the day after. Um, we also have a number of different widgets. Uh, so like buttons, pop-ups, like banners that you can install on mm -hmm. your homepage, your websites, or your landing page to that brings up the form directly. 
Um, so people can just look at your product the moment they discover it. Okay, seems like a really, really great solution. Uh, when did you start the company? So I started it in 2019, uh, right after selling my previous company, I would say like two months after. You, you had this problem yourself, you said? Yeah, I mean, I had this problem. So we're like, this is my third company. We've always been bootstrapped. So we always had a super small team. And in my previous company, I was the only person that was doing, you know, sales and onboarding oh. and training, things like that. So I was everything except for code. So you can imagine like, as soon as you sign up a customer and we sold to the enterprise, if they don't use your product, like if the team doesn't use your product, that's not their fault. That's my fault. So I had to provide all these trainings. And on top of that, um, I also had to do all these demos, sometimes seven or eight of them back to back, but not everyone is ready to buy. But yes. it takes the same amount of time, right, for me to do that demo. So there's nothing really more disheartening, I think, for like someone or even a salesperson, CEO, whatever it might be, to hop on a demo and realize within two minutes that this person is not going to buy your product, but you still have to go through with that demo. Yeah. So I was always envisioning this perfect product that would do my job for me while I could go and maybe have fun or or do literally anything else. So this was like, and on top of that, back then I was digital nomading. So mm. not only was I doing these demos, I was traveling as well and building my startup. Other time zones. And, yeah. yeah. So I was doing these on opposite time zones of my customers, right? Sometimes at like 3am, 4am, and I would still have to hop on and do them. So this was a massive problem that really infringed on my lifestyle, like my happiness. And that's why I had like dreamt of this. And how big is your team right now? Yeah, so we have no full-time employees. Everybody is a contractor. Um, I don't pay myself, so I'm like a kind of like a nobody <laughs> within within the company structure. Um, but at any given time, we have ten, you know, full-time, I guess, full-time contractors, and then we've got like five part-time um, that we use for specific things, right? So things like writing, you know, long form pieces of content or short form pieces of content or design. Like, um, we have five people that are kind of on and off on an as needed basis. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to hear your backstory in more detail. So all the three companies and maybe even before that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, my first company I started in 2011 before that I had a lot of different positions in different industries, but always in sales and business development. So that's okay. my core competency. The last job that I quit was um, at SAP, where I was part of the large enterprise uh, inside sales team. And that's really where I learned how to sell software and getting in front of people, you know, things like that. My first company was um, a product company turned agency. So okay. we were building mobile apps on the iPad mm -hmm. for real estate developers that would sell buildings before they're sold. So if you've walked into like a real estate sales center before, you get like a beautiful like coffee table like brochure because they want to sell you a home before it's built. We were the iPad version of that. And back then the iPad had just started coming out. So it was kind of a cool nifty thing. But because we were bootstrapped and everyone, everybody wanted to customize because ultimately when you're selling real estate, you're selling a dream and every dream should be different. <laughs> we had to say yes to everything. And before you knew it, we were a custom apps company. Mm. So we, we wanted to be okay. a product, but we turned into an agency by saying yes too many times. And that business became super hard to run, 
right? Anyone that's run an agency before knows that you're chasing the customer, chasing invoices, chasing new customers, chasing invoices. And I did that for four years and I just really, really hated that life. And so I wanted after four years to build a product that we own, something that we offer everybody else. And that kind of bridged into my second product, um, Spacio, which was an iPad check-in for open houses, right? So mostly in North America, when you're selling a home, you hire an agent and on Saturday and Sunday, they stand inside your house and random people come in to look at your home, um, you know, without, without any commitment, without hiring an agent. And that was a way for real estate agents to get more customers. Mm. So we sold that product to um, brokerages and franchises on the enterprise level. So we didn't really sell direct to real estate agents. And um, that was when I moved to New York, um, got into you know the startup community and things like that, and um, ran that company for five years. And that company was acquired in 2019. And because I had lived the problem of needing to do the same webinars over and over again to make sure my customers would stay on the platform because it was so hard to make the sale, um, I needed to, I felt compelled, I guess, not needed to, I felt yeah, compelled yeah. to start a new company. It does too obvious. <laughs> yeah. Like two months after, um, Spacio was acquired, but I think people say, oh, you started a company because you have the startup bug, right? Or you love starting companies. But honestly, I started another company because I had to. Like Why? I, Why did you have to? I didn't. I sold that company for like life-changing money because at that point I had been in startups for 10 years. I never had money before that. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't sell it for retirement level money. Okay. So I saw how much consumer expectations were rising and changing, yeah. right? And I knew that if I waited any longer to start a new company, then it would be just that much harder to get a product out there. I think it's easy to start like build something, right? But it's getting incredibly hard to get someone to give you their credit card. Like that's becoming harder and harder. I mean, just think about me and you, right? Like how yeah. much does a product need to have before we start paying them? So I just didn't want to work, I guess, for, for that long <laughs> yeah. or, or, you know, for, for the next 10 years kind of thing. And I felt, I guess, more of in a rush to start a new company. Um, so, you know, at this point, eWebinar has been around for four years, but we built it for two years uh, behind the scenes before anybody actually saw the first version of the wow. product. And that was summer of 2020. Well, wow. uh, and you also sold the first company that you mentioned? No, the first company, I mean, because it was an agency model, like sales kind of fizzle out when you stop selling. Okay. Right. So what yeah. I did was I just stopped selling and then eventually the deal stopped coming, but that company merged kind of into, into the second one. So my first two companies were both, uh, in real estate technology. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you said you bootstrapped, uh, all of them, but yeah. the first one, I think, uh, uh, it was maybe because you didn't have enough resources, but now why aren't uh, you looking to, to raise funds for e webinar? Now you have experience, you have an exit. Yeah, I think. It's just not I, I want to, to learn about your mindset, <laughs> not that it's a <laughs> yeah. bad thing or a right thing. I'm yeah, curious yeah. To, you promote it uh, very much and I'm curious to, to see your perspective. Yeah, I think over time I've like turned into a serial bootstrapper. I mean, when I moved to New York, everybody was raising money, like literally everybody around me. Every new friend was asking me like, hey, Melissa, what are you raising? Who are you raising from? Can I introduce you? And that environment 
makes you feel like you need to raise money. Okay. Otherwise, yeah. you know, you don't have permission to build your startup. You're not successful. Mm. You're not ambitious. And I also kind of fell into that. And we're talking like seven years ago, right? Like when like Y Combinator started becoming really big, you know, Techstars becoming very big, you know, 500 startups and everybody was out there wanting to do this, you know, wanting to do this initiation process, right? I want yeah. you to recognize me as a startup. And Honestly, back then I was doing so poorly in my business because we couldn't find a product that someone would pay for. We couldn't find product market fit. And I was in so much debt that I thought, oh, you mean like I could go to a VC and they would give me money and save me. Like I saw that kind of as a way out. Okay. So to be honest, like back then I also tried to raise capital yeah. and you know, I would do exactly what people do, right? Download a slide deck off the internet, have someone teach me how to pitch right? Go to pitch competitions, polish my pitch. And then I would go and get meetings with, with investors. Yeah. So I, I think I had like 20 conversations or something like that. And I never, I was never actually successful, but looking back, it's because our product was not very venture scalable. It was very, very mm. niche, but yeah. that wasn't the problem, right? The problem was I was telling a story that I didn't believe. Like I was telling a story that I thought they wanted to hear because someone else told me that this is what I need to say to raise money. I didn't want to be a unicorn. I don't want an IPO, right? I didn't want to build my product more than what it was, yeah. but I was told to say all those things and it just never really sat well with me, but that meant that my pitch was bad. Yeah. That meant because that anytime, don't believe in it. Yeah, yeah. And that, that also meant that anytime they asked me a question, like what's your exit strategy? I didn't have an answer for them okay, because yeah. I didn't have an exit strategy. Yeah. At that point, all I wanted was to not be in debt anymore. Right? Yeah. I just wanted a break. And so because I couldn't raise any money, I needed to continue to focus on revenue and profitability. And eventually we did find a product that people would pay for. We started closing bigger and bigger deals because we started selling enterprise. And as we were getting closer and closer to profitability, I started to like, things got easier and it does get easier. Yeah. Right. And I started to call all of my own shots, right? I left New York to travel full time. I was working as much or as little as I wanted. Nobody was telling me what to do. No one was telling me what the growth rate had to be because I didn't care about the next round. I didn't depend yes. on outside capital. And I started to understand that when you can create your own destiny, because you don't rely on other people's money to grow your business you can live a pretty awesome life. And meanwhile, on the other side, I have lots of friends in the industry over just time of being there with who would tell me, oh, I'm so stressed out about raising my next <laughs> round. I don't know if I can raise my next round. We have to hit this growth rate and we have to grow at all costs. And I kind of saw the other side yeah. and, and you don't want to go back. <laughs> and over time, I just realized like, I don't, I'm just not willing to make the sacrifices that it, that it takes to, become a unicorn because I don't want to live that life. I want to live a life where work is a small part of what I enjoy. Like I enjoy so many other things, right? Like parties, festivals, traveling, food, you know, friends, my family. Like I, I don't want work to be my only thing. And I think when you take venture capital, like it has to be the only thing you want for maybe the next five to 10 years. And that's what yeah. you're, that's the story that you're telling. So that's kind of the mindset is I, I went through the transition of wanting it so badly. Like I wanted to be in the club yeah, and yeah. then I couldn't <laughs> get in the club. 
And then I started to make my own money and doing everything I wanted. And I was like, actually, this is pretty nice. And that was kind of the mindset that I had going into eWebinar. And luckily I had sold my previous startup. So I have some financial freedom and cushion to do what I'm doing now. Um, and now we're mostly funded by revenue. We're not totally profitable, especially because, you know, I don't pay myself. But I started this company not so it could be a huge success or so it could sell for a hundred million. I mean, those numbers are just crazy, yeah. right? Like those are like tech crunch numbers. They're not realistic. <laughs> I started this company so it can pay me, my co-founder and my team, a reasonable salary, give everybody the life that they want to live. And, and solve without, a problem that uh, people... Yeah. 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 And, and create value for customers. I want to, cre to create something meaningful. And if it sells along the way, that's great, but that's not the goal. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I saw that you are very active on social media. Can, uh, do you have any strategies that you can share with us? Or what's your yeah. plan? <laughs> yeah. So I only started um, posting once a day on LinkedIn about four months ago. I took a course by Justin Welsh. I don't know if you follow him, but if you don't yeah. follow him, you should. He's yeah. like a self-made solo entrepreneur that started his journey about three years ago. Um, because our product is low cost. Like I, I, I can't do one-on-one -on -one live demos because I, I can't afford that, right? I can't mm -hmm. afford to do 300 demos a month. Um, I realized that when you sell a product to SMBs, which is kind of like a MailChimp product, what we're doing, you have to build a community um, of people who not just know what your product does, right? Right now, people actually care about the people behind it. What do you stand for? What's your mission, right? And I think that's new. I think what we know as sales is changing. I think the future of sales is community led and, you know, social validation. Um, and so I basically just took Justin's course. It's like 150 bucks. I spent about a month doing all his exercises and I'm just following his model. Um, I don't have many, many tips for that, but I, the, the best tip I have is number one, to start. There's a reason why people are doing it. And number two is to be really consistent, right? It's super easy to be like, oh, I don't want to do it today. Or like, oh, well, you know, it's Thanksgiving this week, so I'm not going to do it this week. I can just, well, I no one's going to look at it. Yeah, I, yeah, don't, I don't have any, any content. Yeah. But the byproduct, like I started writing on social media because I wanted to test the strategy. I'm like, why is everyone else doing it, right? Why has LinkedIn turned into kind of this knowledge base of like, of, cool things, right? That, that people are writing about and experience people are writing about. But I wanted to see if it was a strategy that could work for us just to build a community. But yeah. a byproduct of that is it's actually forcing me to think about the last 12 years mm -hmm. of being in startups and what I've learned. Like a lot of things that you specialize in, you might take for granted, but someone else might see that and be like, actually, that's really helped me. So a byproduct of, of just forcing myself to write is like, I'm really trying to hone in on, you know, the things that I'm good at and the community that I can help. And actually I write once a week. I write every Sunday, mm -hmm. um, like seven to 10 posts. Um, ah, okay. and then, and then I Seems look easier. at the posts. Yeah. And then I look at the post the day before to make sure like it's what I want to communicate. Um, and then it just kind of goes out automatically. That's a great uh, piece of advice. And, um, the post that uh, got my, uh, eye and, uh, uh, the way that I contacted you was, uh, 
you mentioned that you removed f uh, freemium from your product and actually that was better for your business. So can you elaborate on that? So that was my previous company where yeah. I learned that. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think there is this myth, right, of oh, the more people you get, the better, right? Yes. Like Dropbox <laughs> did it, so I yeah. could do it. Okay, let's just say like if you're comparing yourself to Dropbox, it's almost like you're comparing yourself to Facebook. Most people are not Facebook or Instagram or WhatsApp or Dropbox, right? So you have very limited resources to support your customers. So back then, I also kind of fell into the trap of thinking, well, the more people, the better, because yeah. the more people come onto my platform, the more potential paid users um, would also come in because they could just try my product. Yeah. But when we opened up the product to you know free users and then they could upgrade for more features, our conversion rate was something like 1%. Like it was so low. And what well, we saw was most people that came in didn't have any motivation to even complete the sign-up process. Like they would just sign up and be like, oh, I could do this later mm. because they're not like, they're not losing anything. Yes. Right. By, by not completing this. Not and if I'm out. not, yeah, if I'm not investing in something, then like, if I don't have a reason to continue because I'm not losing something, then I don't really care about getting something back. So I remember telling one of my mentors, like, oh, I don't know how to, like, I don't know how to change my business model. People aren't signing up or, or they are signing up, but, but they're not activating. And my, my mentor at the time, who was also in the industry said, what you need to do right now is to start charging because you like, and then I was like, oh, you're, you're actually right. Because what ended up happening was not only did we have a lot of people that didn't activate, mm -hmm. we had a lot of people on our platform that just didn't care. So what happens when you don't care, you don't value the founders, you're kind of rude, you're loud, you demand yes, things yeah. you because don't appreciate. You're, you're, yeah, you, you don't appreciate this, right? It's almost like a free party versus <laughs> a paid party, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it's like a free meal versus a paid meal, right? I don't have to finish my, my free meal or I just like yeah, take one yeah. bite, right? And I just put it away. It's like a buffet, right? <laughs> so, and my mentor told me, if you start charging, you're going to be left with people who care about your product enough to pay for it. They're going to be more respectful. They're going to give you honest feedback because they're actually going to use your product in your business. You shouldn't actually care about the people who don't use your product in their business. Like you shouldn't care about their feedback because their feedback doesn't help you. They're not paying you. Yeah. So yeah. that was kind of my light bulb moment. And from that point on, we made the flip. Less is more. Yeah, we made the flip and we made it a 14 day trial and then everybody had to pay. We had people threaten us and say they'll like, you know, pr like tell their whole network that, you know, we're a horrible software or they're going to stop using us if we start charging them. And I'm like, but I'm, okay. <laughs> yeah, but I'm exactly where I am. You pay me yeah. nothing. So those threats were actually just kind of empty. So that was exactly what happened. What my mentor said exactly happened was we cut out everybody that didn't care, our conversion rate went up to 20% immediately. And then we started getting people who were really respectful that we cared about serving. Cause prior That's to that, awesome. we had people just screaming at us, but they weren't paying us. So we hated servicing them, but we couldn't not service them because the internet is such a public place that you can't really be rude to your customers or users. Yeah.
So from that point on, we got a really loyal group of users that would give us valuable feedback because they were actually using our product. And that was actually when our product started growing. So my advice to people that are thinking about providing a free product is if your product requires any support, like literally any support, and you are a bootstrap team, you can't afford to spend your time on people who don't pay you. You have such limited hours in a day. Focus that on people who value your time, your product, your service enough to actually pay you in exchange for your product. And from there, those are going to be your loudest customers. Those are the people that are going to write reviews, tell their friends, care about it. And those are the people that are going to stick with you. Absolutely incredible piece of advice. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Um, And how important do you think is a mentor for a founder? I mean, I think especially in the beginning, it's, it's definitely important because you, you can only know as much as your experience allows you. Um, but I would say that right now, because I've been in, in this, doing this for 12 years, um, mentors are actually less important than peer groups. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've joined on deck a couple of years ago. Um, there was like a big Slack community that anytime I have a question, I just pose it in there. Uh, I know Nathan Latka, for example, has a community on Slack as well. Like there's a lot of like role-based or industry-based dedicated Slack communities or online communities yeah. that you can go and ask questions. Um, and then because I've been doing this for so long, I've got my own kind of personal WhatsApp groups of founders that are like in similar stages where we can throw questions out to that we won't necessarily post publicly or like, you know, struggles that we have that we don't necessarily want to, you know, post on LinkedIn or things like that. So after 10 years, I feel like peer groups um, and, and resources online are, are actually more important than mentors. But definitely in the beginning, it helps to have a mentor that kind of guides you along until you have an, enough experience to build your own community around, uh, you know, where, where your stage is at. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you think entrepreneurship is something that you're born with or something that you can learn? I mean, I think it's a bit of both, right? I don't think you just become an entrepreneur. Like, I I don't think you just wake up and decide, yeah, I'm going to start a business. And I think people do do that, but they don't stick around. Mm. I think being an entrepreneur is something that you just are because it just, it's, it's like a characteristic. It's like a personality, right? It's, it's. It requires people who can't stand the status quo. I have to change it. Like Mm. I have to change it. Or this is really hard and I'm going to keep pushing. The people that don't have that tenacity and decide like, yeah, I'm going to start a business. Those are the people that give up when giving up is easy. But who are the people that keep going when giving up seems to be the only option? Those are the true entrepreneurs that really want to change the world or change the status quo. So... I think you have to have something in you, like some fire in you. Um, but of course, a lot of things have to be learned. But at the core, at the foundation of who you are, I think you have to be entrepreneurial in order to keep pushing because it's just too hard otherwise. Yeah. I really like your mindset and I, I was curious to know what do you think was the most important factor to your de- personal development or to your growth as a founder, as a person. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think summerness is probably one of them. Um, But like I just said, I think the one 
the one trait that I keep seeing over and over is you have to be the person who's willing to keep going when giving up seems to be the only, like when giving up seems to be your only option. Like when all roads lead to a dead end, when you have absolutely no money, when you have tried to sell your product and no one's buying it, and you're the one that says, I think I'm just going to keep going a little bit longer. That is the most important trait that I see in every single successful entrepreneur. And I believe that's something that, that I have, right? In the past, nothing in my company showed me that we were going to succeed. Like we were trying so hard. I was hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. I could barely pay my team. We were taking side projects here and there just to cover payroll every two weeks. I was living in New York, one of the most expensive cities in the world. I didn't really have an option, but to keep going. And, and luckily we, we came out on the other end, but that would have been a very reasonable place to give up. I think if I gave up at that point, nobody would blame me. Like nobody would look at me and be like, oh, she should have tried a bit harder because I had already been at it for like yeah. seven or eight years. So I think that's one of the most important things you need to have. I have one last question. What's your favorite software apart from eWebinar? <laughs> well, apart from eWebinar, my favorite software is Monday. I mean, also Slack, but I think everybody says Slack, but Monday. Yeah. <laughs> um, because Monday, I think a lot of software is kind of like that now, but like I work on spreadsheets. So we use Monday as our project management, like Jira. We don't have Jira. Like we use Monday as my CRM. So it's like, I just see everything in one view and then it allows you to create these automations. Like I have TTT. It's like the simplest, easiest software I've ever used for, for that specific purpose. And you can use it for, for so many different things. Super. And is there anything else that you want to tell us today? Yeah. Um, if you want to connect with me, if you have any other questions about bootstrapping entrepreneurship or anything that we talked about today, um, the best way to connect with me is through LinkedIn. Uh, my last name is spelled Kwan, K-W-A-N, Melissa Kwan. And if you want to check out eWebinar and see how it can help your business, um, just go to eWebinar.com, exactly as it sounds, uh, eWebinar.com. And there's a demo on there that, of course, you can join at your own time, delivered through <laughs> eWebinar as well. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for helping the community. Thanks so much, Christian.